0: The views and opinions expressed by the guests of the Inspira podcast do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of any agency of the United States government or any organization, public or private. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Inspira podcast, hosted by your girl, me, Erica Mueller-Chen. I'm an international development specialist with over a decade of experience leveraging the amazing power of sport to promote peace and positive social impact. My career has allowed me to live in Europe, Southern Africa, and Latin America. In 2022, I accepted an offer for my dream job in sports diplomacy. And I also became an employee family member to a US diplomat a.k.a. an EFM. This podcast is all about inspiration and career advice. Each episode, I'll interview an inspirational global change maker working in sport for development, social impact, or the diplomatic service. This series is perfect if you have interest in breaking into one of these sectors or you've already landed that dream role and are keen to learn from thought leaders. Enjoy today's episode and stay inspired.
1: Really exciting because we're being a part of history. We're creating a legacy. I wanna be everything that I didn't want in pursuing an opportunity with a team early. I wanna create something that is not being done, that's not so cookie cutter. That's not just for show, but that really people can say, wow, that moved the needle.
0: Welcome friends. Today we are here with Ms. Chanel Mosley. She is a Director of Community Relations and Executive Director at the DC United Foundation, where she oversees the organization's community and social responsibility strategy to help make the DMV a better place for future generations to come. Chanel formerly served as the Deputy Director of Sports Partnerships at UNICEF USA, where she managed relationships with U.S. sports leagues, teams, and professional athletes dedicated to educating, advocating, and fundraising to help the world's most vulnerable children. With over 13 years in the sports philanthropy space, Chanel's personal mission in her view is to create social change and positive impact using sports. Chanel received her bachelor's from Bentley University and master's from Northeastern University. She also serves on faculty for the Sports and Entertainment Impact Collective and is on the board for the Bentley Mosaic Alumni Council. Chanel, how do you do all of this i'm like where do you have the time welcome uh-huh. by the way <laughs>
1: oh no thank you for having me it's always funny when people read your bio because you're like okay this is so awkward because <laughs> i think we're you know especially in the nature of like what it is that we do which is social impact we're used to like tooting other people's horn and shouting from the rooftops about others but I'm very much blushing. But I also know that it's taken a lot to get to this place and just excited. So I try to use as much time that I have to do things that mean something to me. So including this podcast and just this conversation with you as a whole, um, just excited because I think the more that we can share our personal stories, hopefully that can inspire somebody in some shape or form.
0: Because I've called this podcast Inspira, not only is it about career advice, but it's about inspiration. And so I'd just like to share a little bit of why my guest inspires me. And so I might make you feel a little bit awkward again, (laughs) but Chanel, (laughs) Uh, you inspire me because from what I understand in your journey, you've really been in the trenches. Like you've moved your way up at UNICEF USA. You served in AmeriCorps before that. And now you've transitioned to Washington, D.C. with a professional sports team. And you really just have these different angles and views of understanding how sport can be used for good. And so I really admire and respect that. And Thank I'm you. I'm excited to dig in. So thanks again.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So maybe I can just ask you to give us in your own words, a brief overview of your career sports journey, and perhaps yeah. any key moments that really led
1: you to sport for good. 100%. So I think that it's always funny when people start this journey, and they, they talk about the very beginning to now the current. But I think that in this case, I'll work backwards. Um, you know, I essentially oversee the entire DC United Foundation and the community relations team and strategy here. And I, I'll start with I didn't always have the desire to work for a professional sports team or league. And quite frankly, it's because sometimes there's this stigma in this space that teams will only do what they've continued to always do. And so where I saw the opportunity, what excited me to to lean into this space is having the ability to create something from scratch and to do what others are not doing or just aren't doing enough of. And so as much as I hold others to that same standard, I also hold our team um, to that same standard. So I often talk about that. What we're doing at DC United is incredibly special. I think what we're building is special. The people that we're building it with is incredibly special. And so having the opportunity to work with a professional MLS team uh, to use their platform for the most good is really exciting. And so building everything from scratch, from the strategy to the programs, to the events, to the partnerships, to the collaboration, um, is what a lot of my day-to-day entails. And I'm sure at some point in this conversation, we'll dive deeper into that. But I always, like I mentioned, always didn't want to or saw myself in this space. I saw myself using sport as a vehicle for social change, which started very early in my upbringing as a military kid. Every two to four years, we were moving all around the country, the world, you name it. And so I've always been a true like child of the world, mm-hmm. but sport was that one constant thing for us. Um, no matter where we were, there's just so much more, so much power in a ball and bringing kids together and uniting people and teaching you basic core values. And so I think the essence of sport just creates a lot of opportunity for people as individuals, people as a community, and and just as a greater collective to drive things forward. And so I dug a lot of my career into the nonprofit and the social impact space, and that has looked many, many different ways. So while some people think the path to working for a professional sports team looks really traditional, I take a lot of pride in mine not looking as traditional. My entire career has been dedicated to the nonprofit space, whether that was being a Girl Scout troop leader, working as an AmeriCorps uh, member, um, teaching. I was an educator in Boston Public Schools for many years, directing an after-school program focused on math and the power that it has in in determining the success of a young person in in their college years. And so I have really touched a number of different places throughout my career, but the one constant thing continued to be sport. Um, working with professional teams or leagues or individuals, um, professional athletes in some shape or form to help them figure out like how to use their passion and their purpose to drive change. And so that's what kind of all brings me back here, weeding through the UNICEF years of working with athletes, teams and leagues in a meaningful way to use their platform to help children in 190 countries and territories. And so it's, um, it's been an exciting journey and I'm just really grateful for it
0: thank you for that overview and just condensing over a decade of expertise into a couple of minutes i know it's not easy and (laughs) and and emphasizing again how your non-traditional path right and how you take pride in that i think that's so important and and important in all of these stories that we're telling that everyone's path is different and really special Mm -hmm. in their own right and so Chanel, I'm, I'm wondering throughout your career and thinking about your skills or, or what I like to call mm-hmm. your superpowers. I've, <laughs> I've been taught that there's like two really important aspects to that. Like one is identifying your superpowers and another yeah. is like marketing it and storytelling. So mm-hmm. in terms of your career, what does that look like? How have you identified your superpowers and then marketed it?
1: Identifying my superpower I think there becomes moments throughout your career where people tend to gravitate towards you for certain things. um, And some of which you might either realize you have and some of which you don't. Being a military kid, being a kid that played sports, being the oldest sibling, um, I often fell into a place of like just true leadership, but through Mm -hmm. passion. You can't teach passion, but you can teach a lot of things. And so a lot of the the work that I've done, I've been incredibly passionate about. And so that continues to drive me. That's my why. And so... I connect with people through my shared passion. And often that's what creates partnerships and collaboration. And so a lot of people think like there has to be this like playbook to partnerships and collaboration. And while there are best practices, I think a lot of it ties into your your core, your ethos, your values, your character. And so what I, I really reflected on through my my years, especially through my studies, through the professional spaces, I wanted to make sure that the person I show up as in the professional space is the same person that I show up with in my regular life. And essentially, it shouldn't feel like I'm taking – the mask off. And so for me, my passion is continual across both of those things. And I love connecting with people, exploring creative ways to partner, collaborate, think outside of the box, create solutions. If somebody has a resource or a platform or a space or a capability to help meet a need, a significant need of another, while also on the other side, working with groups or individuals that have needs. And I think a lot of the nature of the sports and the impact space is always thinking about how can we drive or create the greatest change and often the thing that's prohibiting that growth or that success or that change is something that they might be lacking mm-hmm. and it's not because it's not available to them it's just that maybe it's not attainable or reachable in a way that it might be for others and so how do we take these other groups or individuals that have those things and connect them with those that that maybe don't to make their lives easier too. So, there's a lot of power in just bringing people together and I think when I'm when you're a passionate person or you just understand how you fit into the bigger picture, sometimes it's grabbing everybody up together and bringing them to, to the same space and then that's where the magic happens. So, I think that's that's a big part of my superpower.
0: I love that. It's like a big puzzle and you're like a puzzle master, but really that, yeah. that ethos that you mentioned. And I know you've talked about vulnerability in other interviews. Mm-hmm. I know two things that you mentioned are important to you kind of before this conversation is one, the the importance of relationships to partnerships mm-hmm. and collaboration and two, that, that authenticity. So I'm wondering if you have any examples of how that's looked in your career, uh, where that really like allowed you or your team to prosper at UNICEF or, or these early days now at, at uh, DC United?
1: I think that through history, there was a lot of um, negative perspective of vulnerability. Mm. And I think if you listen to like individuals such as Brene Brown, she's now making it cool to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think that society is so programmed to think that if a person is asking for something or is in need of something, that there's like a underlying reason right there's almost like a negative connotation or rationale to why something's happening or even if you think about the structure of negotiations people always traditionally think it's like i won or you won it's not Mm -hmm. that like can we move side by side and both win and so i think that by allowing myself to show my vulnerability it creates a space of comfort for others to also feel comfortable to do the same they're like wow there's this person that is an executive in this space that is is being her authentic self, that it allows for me to show up and to also be my authentic self. And even I, I heard Tracy Ellis Ross um, cite this the other day, where um, she takes pride in like giving people around her the opportunity to be them own selves. And so, as a part, as a result of it, they say, Wow, you have great energy, or you seem like such a great person. But by being around her, it helps make others feel like they love themselves or they celebrate themselves. And so really, mm-hmm. um, I just try to show up as myself because it allows others, pe- other people to take that barrier down. Us as humans are programmed to create safety and barriers. Mm-hmm. And so what I hope is that when people either work with me um, in this space that they can show up in that way. And that allows for like the mind and even just thoughts and um, capacity to go beyond your wildest dreams because there's not the prohibitive factor of like do they have my best intentions at heart like i'm very fort Wythe and even asking questions to seek to understand as opposed to challenge I could totally
0: see you as a teacher like you mentioned. I could totally see you in your AmeriCorps days. I mean I know it was back in the day, but just like, yeah, just like who you are and your energy and your your passion for like humans, right and just yeah. that, that creating that space is just you. So even just in a couple of minutes, I'm like, yeah, that's Chanel. so I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. And I think that because I have not taken the traditional route through sports, some of the like blockers that can happen through sports is if you're only and this goes for any industry, if you're only exposed to that industry and that industry alone, you only have a certain perception of of what it has to look like. And so it's been really fun taking my experience from being an educator, from being a person and working on the nonprofit side of things that's working with major brands, teams, and leagues to partner. And so now I have a different perspective of when we partner with with individuals, because I'm thinking about what's going to make this a win for them, as opposed to just thinking about how are we going to check our box so that we have a win. Now, if we partner with somebody, and if I feel like they're too nervous or afraid to say, hey, that doesn't really work for us, or hey, our youth are on vacation, but they're trying to force it. I give them the opportunity to say, hey, if you really love this idea, but just the logistics of it don't work well for you at this time, let's think about what's going to work for you. Because what I don't want to do, especially since there's limited resources or capacity on your side, I don't want to ask you to do something that's not going to be a win for you. Mm -hmm. So let's figure out what's going to help make it a win and then let's go at it together, right?
0: Chanel, I'm wondering in terms of your career trajectory, and, and before we dive into some UNICEF examples or DC yeah. examples, how do you think your personal or professional priorities may have shifted throughout your career? And how has that influenced your approach to your work or your approach to job um, opportunities?
1: You know, as a kid, uh, and my mom refers to me sometimes, like, this is my mother, Teresa daughter, I always had this like innate desire to help others, but I think as a kid, sometimes you're not really sure how you you can do that as a kid. And so I didn't know that there were careers in this space. Um, I was always fascinated by business. And so for my undergrad, I did pursue focus in um, business and global perspectives, but um, it was during my time there that getting that business acumen, it actually exposed my thinking to a little bit beyond. We're realizing that sometimes in this impact space... It's the the visionaries, it's the passionate people, and that sometimes what we're lacking is that strategy, mm-hmm. right? That bigger thinking to understand, like, what's the ROI or where's the strength, weaknesses, and opportunities, all those, like, coined business terms. Yeah. And so- it was right around my collegiate years that the light bulb flicked that i said you know what business could be good used for social good and so now taking this institutional knowledge that i have with the passion that i have for sport for global development for working with youth in in some sort of way combining those i created and curated a path for me essentially like pulling in a little bit of this around sport pulling in a little bit of this around education and youth engagement pulling in a little bit of this and so by kind of collecting these things together, that's what helped me build the space that I wanted to go down. So while people went off to call after college, they went to work for the big four and finance and accounting, I went off to do AmeriCorps because Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, oh, and I can get my master's for free doing this mass promise fellowship. I was like, this is amazing. And so I will tell you, it was in that transition where others were so excited to be securing major first job um deals Mm -hmm. i probably at that time made twelve thousand a year and it was the richest i ever felt in my whole life and that's when i knew the decision that i had made to take the the information i knew to further like learn more but also get that direct like hands-on experience was the right path and it's super ironic because now at this point in my career, a lot of people I went to college with or met in those earlier parts of my educational time are now looking back and saying, okay, we did the finance or the accounting track. And now we're thinking about pivoting into a career that has purpose. And so sometimes I take a lot of pride in my purpose is helping others find their purpose, whether that's coaching an athlete to understand how they have the ability to create change using their platform or, you know, teaching an an organization how we can layer elements of impact into every single partnership we have. And so showing that there's more so much that we can do just with our everyday actions, but also about being super intentional. It's really exciting to look back because I feel like I always kind of knew what it was I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I just had to create it. So just because what didn't exist doesn't mean that it wasn't possible. Mm
0: -hmm. Amazing advice and (laughs) insights and and talking about richness, right? In the ways that it resonates with you, that purpose, that fulfillment, and it's different for everyone. So I really Mm -hmm. appreciate that reflection that you just gave thinking about UNICEF and thinking about your journey there over 12 years at UNICEF USA in New York City. If you remember, how'd you get your foot in the door there?
1: Man, my time at UNICEF was like my dream time. I loved and still do. I'm like their number one fan. Everything that that organization does because they're creating true impact and it's measurable, it's attainable, it's clear, and it's out there. Um, I started my journey with UNICEF During my undergrad years, I had interned for the organization, loved it so much doing that one semester. I came back for another semester, Mm -hmm. even after. And that actually led into my next step meeting, you know, and understanding the Mass Promise Fellowship where you get hands on AmeriCorps experience, also get your undergrad degree. I stayed on and involved as a professional volunteer and through the years of my of me being a teacher and educator for a school program and out of school program specifically for student athletes. I loved having that direct impact. But one of the barriers and the challenges that I realized is that sometimes it's incredibly difficult to create systematic change while you're in the trenches. So okay. being an educator, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I want to be a principal. Maybe this now sparked me to becoming a principal. And then I even veered off just a little bit um, into a space where I was working in it as a, um, admissions role. And I realized like I missed working directly with athletes. So around that time where I was just like, I don't know if I made the right switch or the change, UNICEF had created a role um, around their sports partnerships in conjunction with a program that they were just launching, UNICEF Kid Power, which empowers young people to make a difference through their everyday actions. Um, And they both get to impact local communities and also provide therapeutic food for kids around the world. So they really saw the value in using relationships with local sports teams and individuals to inspire those young people even more. So they created this role and I was like, this was made for me. Mm -hmm. Like I literally (laughs) felt like at that point in my life, um, it was like the dream, my dream job. And so at that point I went through the process and I even remember having a little bit of like, imposter syndrome or doubt mm. that maybe I wasn't the right fit because on paper yeah. they were looking for somebody that worked directly for a professional sports team or league. Okay. And I remember when HR even called to give me the offer, I had notes that were ready to ask questions on how I could have improved my, you know, interview process. Oh my gosh, or my application. <laughs> and they were literally calling me to extend the opportunity for me. And what I think about set me apart is I maintained all of those relationships mm. that I had through my internships years, through my volunteering years. I Mm -hmm. I kept them in the loop of my journey. They've connected me with people and industry professionals throughout my career that led to other opportunities. And now they're still some of the closest people that I know. Mm -hmm. And that also opened a new opportunity for me to carve a lane for Mm -hmm. myself. And I think within a year of me being there, my, my supervisor had left. And that kind of put the organization in a position to think about what does this department look like? Um, And I had shown really great proven success in the role, which they then expanded my role um, in the team and eventually grew into me overseeing the sports partnerships team. I feel like incredibly blessed to have met the coworkers, the colleagues and even the athletes, the teams, the leagues and collaborate with them, many of which I still stay in contact with. But um, it's interesting how one small part of your journey impacts a really big part of it in, in the larger picture.
0: And bringing it back to those relationships. Like you said in the beginning, like you not only create the relationships, you nourish them and maintain them so that when, you know, they see Chanel's name on something, I mean, like younger Chanel, they'll be like, yeah, like she's up to this and I know what she's been doing and she has a great reputation. I feel good when I hear her name because she's been giving me that feeling and and those
1: updates. It's it's super important. It's, It's amazing to have a tribe that supports you and uplifts you and even just is ready to go to bat for you quick
0: break here to highlight that there are currently five inspira podcast episodes available for your listening pleasure episode one provides my background and motivation for starting the podcast episode two is with mariam from egypt a former pro footballer who broke into the sector through an internship Episode 3 is with Stephen from Jamaica, who founded a cheerleading organization that prevents violence and empowers the members of the LGBTQ population. Episode 4 is with Chanel from the USA. She's the executive director of the D.C. United Foundation, the major league soccer team in the U.S.'s capital city. Episode 5 is with Ben from South Africa, and we talk about the evolution of the sport for development and peace sector. New Inspira podcast episodes will be released every Tuesday, starting on January 31st. If you like what you hear, please give Inspira five stars on your chosen podcast platform and write a kind review. That would really make my day. Thanks, and back to the show. Do you have any highlight moments from your 12 plus years there? I I know you worked with partners like NBA Africa, obviously yeah. other leagues and teams, Naomi Osaka and going to Haiti with her. Like what what stands out to you whether it's big name things or just special moments?
1: Um I think that I've had the ability to travel to the field with a number of special individuals. I think one of my most favorite human beings is Takembe Matumbo and getting to see his passion for humanitarian work, understanding his journey. Right, A lot of people don't understand or know that, that Dikembe, um didn't always seek out to play basketball. He's actually was very interested in pursuing his degree and focus around medicine, which he's now turned into opening hospitals and just resources in the DRC and just seeing who he is as a person. So traveling with him internationally to the field, along with uh, other NBA players that are newer to this philanthropy and this impact space and seeing not only how they respect him as a player as a human but also as a humanitarian. And so I often hear people asking me questions like who's your favorite athlete that you've worked with and you know <laughs> why do you like this so much but I think when you see a person's light bulb click on or you know that they are bought in and know the importance that like Every child deserves the right to basic necessities um, and the opportunity for a kid to be a kid. I think there's such a cool moment in helping to support them because now they can use their platform to create change. And I know Dekembe also was on our, unicef board and working with him we just built a really great relationship and also with his family i call his mom auntie rose and like (laughs) you know she's been able to teach me life lessons or even just discuss like things that we all experience in life and so i'm just grateful for those moments even the nba family nba cares family is is such i'm so close to them and i i just respect them and love them and um it's fun to cheer them on from another league perspective, but I also take a lot of those learnings in working with. You know, we did a collaboration with the NFL around Super Bowl Fifty and making it the most philanthropic Super Bowl in history. Working with the NBA in NBA um, Africa, I've traveled to Mozambique, Senegal, Ethiopia, Angola, South Africa with them, um, and exposing players to our work directly in the field because now it's their duty to take it back and speak about it. So CJ McCollum. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Joel Embiid traveled with him to Cameroon. And so i um, grateful that they can then trust me as a subject matter expert. And I always say to them as they're like understanding their space, would you trust a stranger off the street to teach you your jump shot? And usually they're like, no, like, <laughs> so I always try to encourage like athletes or individuals like, well, would you trust a stranger off the street to teach you? how you make a difference in like human, humanitarian aid focused work. And they're like, no. So sometimes like we have to own where we're not a subject matter expert and work with people that have that knowledge, understand what the greatest needs are, and then essentially can help connect things to meet those needs. And so I a um, lot of memories during my UNICEF years from the events to the travel, to Um, different speaking opportunities and helping athletes use their platform for good, such as Jeremy Lin, especially around the COVID um, pandemic time and speaking out on mental health, anti-Asian violence, working with Lori Hernandez, who is a rock star through and through Mm -hmm. um, speaking at our summits and just educating other young people on how they could create change and how Um, she's essentially been able to be able to use her platform to be so outspoken and to drive change as well. So, so many
0: things. (laughs) Well, you said there's no playbook for this, but I feel like if there was like you would have written it because you're, you're naming off all the, yeah, like who's who in the space. And also just the importance of education from one person to another, regardless of who that Mm. is, like the, the subject matter experts. It also sounds like you were so happy there and they were so happy to have you and you shaped things and it shaped you. And I'm I'm really curious, um, however comfortable you are in sharing about your transition mm-hmm. now to Washington DC and DC United, what were yeah. some of the things that, that went into that decision from uh, being a deputy director at UNICEF USA to now being the director of community relations and mm-hmm. executive director at the DC United Foundation? It was
1: kind of, wild how it all happened but i think i always and i encourage other other people to like no matter where you are you're kind of always thinking about that bigger picture and and how this fits into you tackling your big goals um during the pandemic i think that everybody experienced it in a whole different way it obviously gives you way more time to think about things and i think i often i often ask myself whether it was inside the pandemic or prior to it like am I doing the most good that I can possibly be doing? I feel like at UNICEF, I got to a place where I, quite frankly, had done a significant amount of stuff to set the bar high, but had a little few inquiries that were happening that were like, hey, have you ever thought about being an executive director of this nonprofit or this foundation? And I was like, huh, interesting. Like, I think in my mind, I have visioned it maybe way more down the line because I was really comfortable. I was passionate. I was turnkey. And so that would mean taking on a challenge, right, and and testing yourself in a new way. And sometimes we kind of like when it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I could do this because I'm feeling very comfortable. But um, I also was ready to step up that bar. And I'm at a place in my life that I'm able to take on a challenge. I'm able to dedicate that time. I want to lift it up. And so I really wanted to be a part of a legacy. And I felt like I fulfilled that legacy at UNICEF. So now that means like, how do I use my skills that I've had received to date to use them in another space? And so I had actually sent a a big group text out to my network, a few select individuals, specifically outlining what I kind of envisioned for my life and what I was looking Mm. for. And it was then that I received a text back that's like, call me. And it moved very fast from conversations to talking about what exactly I was seeking or wanting and wanting to create legacy and to build something. And um, through those conversations, also discovered like, my incredible interest and background in fundraising and philanthropy. And so while the role might have initially been described through the director lens, essentially there was hope down the road to to bring in bring back the DC United Foundation. But I think it was during those conversations specifically about what I was seeking, what the needs were at DC United, we were able to discover this is an alignment. And like it the time frame that it flew was so fast that I I I'm I'm also a woman of God, so I feel like when God has a plan for your life, there's no like, he has the timeline, not you. And so um I'm just grateful because it just allowed for me to step up. And so looking at the success that we've had to date, just within the 10 months of me being here and looking at what we're planning for the off season. And for next year, it's really exciting because we're being a part of history. We're creating a legacy, the feedback and the energy that's around the office is just incredible. I really love my colleagues. Um, and I said it before, but what we're building is very special. And I don't, and I want to, I want to be everything that I didn't want in pursuing an opportunity with a team or a league. I want to create something that is not being done. That's not so cookie cutter. That's not just for show, but that really people can say, wow, that moved the needle. So when you see me posting on LinkedIn, I am shooting, I'm shouting from the rooftops. I am tooting our horn. And um, I remember very, very early in my career, somebody said, if you don't toot your own horn, who's gonna dance to your music? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm my number one fan. Yeah. I mean, my mom quite frankly <laughs> might be. <laughs> She's And also- Kenbe's mom, yeah. <laughs> Yes, Jacoby's wife as well. And so, yeah, I have an incredible tribe here. Our team is always supporting our events. They see the vision. Um, They're on for the ride with me. And so it's really, really exciting. And I feel incredibly blessed to have this opportunity for an organization to trust my vision and plan. Mm,
0: Thank you, Chanel, for sharing that. And just the story of how you put it out there, right? Like you were in a good place. And those are kind of the best times to be thinking about Mm -hmm. a transition because it's really challenging if you don't want to be somewhere and you want to get out. So when you want to be somewhere and you're like, oh, let me put some feelers out. I think that's just a really- Uh, I thought
1: it was going to be like a year from (laughs) now. Right. Like no time. So We got you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and also something that you said a few times now is just because something doesn't exist doesn't mean you can't do it or can't be it. Yeah. So I really admire and respect that about about your journey and and what you've shared.
1: No, absolutely. Thank you. Um we're all still figuring it out, but I okay. think like if we show up with the energy that some of our counterparts do have in this space. So I just like try to just give myself a pep talk and say like, girl, you're doing a good job. Mm, you got that ringtone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious
0: also about that transition in terms of some of the the differences in what you're doing now versus what you were doing at UNICEF, whether that Mm -hmm. comes down to size of your team or the budget that you have, Uh, what are some of the differences, whether it's like things on paper or just, you know, the everyday tasks, what does that look like for you these days?
1: I think like UNICEF as an entity, right? The goal is to educate, advocate and fundraise on behalf of the world's children. And so the entire organization is really set up to support those three focuses. Over at a team, it took me a little while to kind of understand like wow, there it's like a puppet and there's a lot of different moving pieces and you have to understand all of the different business functions and how your job also fits across all those business functions and how theirs weaves into yours. Where at UNICEF, it was kind of like, all right, we all knew our lane and we're running towards it. And we like, it just kind of flowed in like this. Whereas on a sports team, I think like understanding the business helps you understand that bigger picture. So it almost feels like similar but different. So I was able to take a lot of my learnings and experiences throughout my career and especially at UNICEF, but also to understand the new op- like form of business and how you could add and create value across units. So I work with our corporate partnerships and we're securing multi-year um, Agreements with partners that are also having multi year commitments to community initiatives. Mm -hmm. So thinking in a more sustainable way so taking the learnings from UNICEF and sustainable approach identifying key needs meeting those needs. Those types of things and weaving it into this way so that way we're not in a situation for every year for an initiative or program we have to seek new funding finding value based aligned partners. Um, has been really helpful. Working with our ticketing and sales team as we're growing our database, every community initiative or event that we have, we're capturing that information because we wanna stay in touch with those people. We want for them to continue to be in touch with us on what it is that we're doing because maybe their first entry point into our world of DC United is through one of our community events or initiatives. And so now they've become a fan because they see how we show up in our community. On the other hand, we might have individuals show up to our movies at the pitch event that our events team puts on, but now we know that they're more inclined to support our DC United Foundation because they care about the community. It's understanding how each of the business entities operate and how we help either help them achieve their revenue goals or even just like increasing our awareness and our visibility. So I work closely with marketing, um, showing them how we can even better enhance our brand, but using our community Mm community side and lens, Mm -hmm. engaging our season ticket members in our supporters groups, because they're really passionate about the work that we do with DC scores, which is an official charitable partner that's helping young people form teams that are focused on soccer and poetry and service. And so um, it's it's so similar, but so different. I think at the beginning, I was certainly like, I've been working with sports teams, but once you're really on the inside of it, you Mm -hmm. see it in a different vantage point. But I also think that I've been able to look at a lot of our objectives along in a different way, which is exciting that the organization is also incredibly open to innovative approaches. Every single teammate, whether it's a ticketing and sales or corporate partnership our events our data and our analytics team, our marketing team our comms and content team, they're so open to trying things in a different way that it's like just further reminds me like this, this is why I'm doing what we're doing. Like, this is what we're here for. We're hosting All-Star next year. Uh, MLS All Star, and just excited how we hope to be setting that bar high for others um, and approaching things in different ways. Like, just because that's how something's always been done does not need to be how we always do it. And challenging each other to say, hey, if this is not working in this way, let's reconsider it in this way. And having those honest conversations to help us, like, not just do what we're always used to doing.
0: And Washington, D.C., in terms of sports culture, like the last five years, I mean, even when I lived there, kind of the last seven years there, there were some really cool things happening. Mm In 2018, the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup for NHL. In 2019, Washington Nationals won the World Series for MLB. And that same year, Washington Mystics won the championship for WNBA. And more recently in 2021, Washington Spirit won NWSL, National Women's Soccer League. You've got these championship teams in Washington, D.C. Got to be a good feeling as well, like to have the geography and have kind of yeah. the, the population that has an appetite for it, where yeah. you don't kind of have to reinvent something or like convince people that like soccer or football yeah. is interesting, right? So I think that's uh, mm-hmm. a nice bonus in terms of the D.C. location.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we're in the nation's capital. Our name is DC United. And I think there's that name in itself means like we're all united. We're united for all like and I think that we genuinely want to make the DMV a better place because we exist. That is my ultimate goal. If we look at anything, like because we are here, we've helped create or drive change. And so it's exciting to be in the nation's capital where it's truly like an integrative melting pot of all the people. We have government, we have military, we have so many transient people that have arrived here. We recently started working with some of the migrant youth and families that have relocated here to D.C. And so we want everybody to feel like they're our neighbor and we are their neighbor. So part of being neighbors is we got to show up for each other.
0: Well, is there anything from your career that we haven't covered yet, kind of before we get into the fun, more lighthearted questions, any experiences or, or insights that are kind of on your heart that you wanted to share?
1: Um, you know, I think one, one thing I do want to touch on is like the importance that mentorship has had on my life and how I also try to show up as a mentor for others. Um, you don't have to have formal settings to be a mentor, to give feedback and, um, I'm always like seeking out input from others. And so like, I think the value that has had on my life has just helped me remind me that I should be in spaces that even in my head, I think I maybe shouldn't be, or even working with others as they're navigating their careers or big decisions, because I've had the same every step of my way. And so by one, if you're, You should have somebody guiding you and giving you that counsel and that input to always, no matter where you are in your life, you can always be in a position to mentor, coach, or support others. And it doesn't stop just at you. That means like whether or not you have been in in the industry for more than 14 years, whether you are in your first year. And so I often bring along my team for different speaking engagements or events because just because I'm their supervisor on paper does not mean that I'm the only one that has input. And we spoke to a, a, a grad group yesterday and I brought along my teammates as well. And I think they have just as much insight and value to add as well
0: mentorship really is a key especially thinking about sports right how competitive the sport industry is or even finding opportunities for women to work in sports as well as women of color and i was going to ask you kind of in a few minutes in our advice section but let me just ask you right now like yeah what are your thoughts on that or more specifically what advice might you give for women or women of color really looking to break into sports and perhaps sometimes feeling discouraged if they don't see
1: that yeah i think um Cynthia, Cindy, Cindy, forgive me for not remembering how to properly pronounce her name, but she's at the Mavericks. Um, I've listened to a lot of her panels or discussions. And I think one of the pieces of feedback I remember her sharing years ago is to find somebody in the space that's doing what you hope to do one day. And you don't even have to necessarily reach out to them and get picked their brain, but like learn from them, read the articles about them, listen to the podcast about them. Now, Where people get stuck is you just like try to embody them as them. But what you want to do is take those qualities that you admire and do them 10 times better right? Mm. If so, people can come and learn from my career and they're like, wow, I really love what Chanel did around this and this. Cause a lot of the success that people have, it's not new. Nobody, these aren't new things that people are doing. They probably interpreted it or like created a new version or modified it from somebody else that they learned something from. Now it's up to you to take that, to understand the qualities, what pieces of it, learn those things, grab them, add them to your toolbox and now do them 10 times better. Because if women, women of color, girls are doing the same stuff that I'm doing now, 10 years from now, that means you, you miss the point. Like the point is to take, you know, like what you learned from those human beings, whether even admiring from afar or following their journey, but then doing them even, even bigger and better. And so I think women, us as women, we sometimes get stuck feeling like, Oh, let's just be quiet. Or let's not like, disrupt the space and disruption of the space doesn't have to be this like loud, like in your face, disruption of the space is like, I'm going to talk about what we're doing because I know what we're doing is excellent. And when I hold our ourselves to a high standard of excellence and I want people to know it and to see it so they can take it and exemplify it or learn from it for themselves and, and do it 10 times better. Like if I see other girls that are taking an idea or individuals in the space that take an idea that I've had, I've interpreted it from somebody else too. Like, and if they do it exceptionally well, I'm slow clap. Like I am going to root you (laughs) on. So it doesn't have to be new or different. Just do what others are doing well that are operating at a high level and crush it.
0: Mm, dropping knowledge and also
1: doing it like
0: in your own way, right?
1: Obviously you want it to be bigger
0: and badder and better, but like in Chanel's way. And so that can also be empowering for people who are like, Erica, like, I don't know how to do it better than Chanel did in 10 years, but like do it your own way. And that's how you're gonna add flavor. Yes. And that's how you're gonna be authentic and be kind of following yes. some of these nuggets of knowledge that you're
1: giving us and and make things happen. Yeah, and some people that, the people that really know me, they know I'm an extroverted introvert, right? But when I show up in the spaces that I'm in for this work, um, I want you to feel my presence. I want you to feel my passion. I want it to like leak out onto your paper as you are taking notes. <laughs> but I also don't expect for somebody to show up in that same exact way that I do, because that may not be their authentic selves. And so it's also having self-awareness to know like, okay, maybe that's not the magic sauce or the magic ingredient in my recipe, but maybe yours is tied to a different angle and like leaning into that like you said in the way that's like authentic to you don't have to replicate it in the way that i'm doing it if it doesn't feel authentic to you
0: now that we know more about our guest's career journey the rest of our conversation will allow us to have some fun and get to know our guest on a personal level through some rapid fire questions. We'll then start to wrap up with pointed questions focused on advice and how our listeners can transform interest into action. Enjoy the rest of the conversation.
1: about your favorite food (laughs) tacos yeah (laughs) i am such a taco person i can eat tacos for every meal of the day (laughs) Yeah.
0: do you have a favorite taco place
1: either in dc or new york dc has a lot of great taco places Mm -hmm. um union market has some places la cosecha i love delena's i recently discovered el destino inside of la cosecha and then there's one more oh um, Inca Social is another one that I love too. So um, highly recommend all of those places. They are all minority owned um, and the tacos just speak to your soul. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well,
0: if you're ever coming to Mexico in the next seven months, hit me up in Guadalajara oh, because yes. we've got
1: tacos for you, Chanel. Oh, I, I, do, <laughs> I do frequent in Mexico as well. Um, my grandfather is also Mexican. And oh, okay. so for me, I just appreciate that part of our culture and i just enjoy traveling there as well oh i
0: didn't know that about you thank you for sharing <laughs>
1: yes my family is incredibly multiracial.
0: i know you're a steelers fan tell me why yes. or tell me your favorite play or favorite moments
1: i'm actually traveling this weekend to go catch the steelers play in miami Ooh. Um, i was always a Palomalo fan mm. but my mom my mom and her siblings were born and raised and their uncle was a Steelers fan. And so we, growing up as kids, I was a Steelers fan. My brother was a uh, Washington Redskin fan, now the Commanders. Um, and so it was a divided household, but it's always fun on the holidays and game days. Cause there's a lot of trash talking in our family in the most kindest way,
0: but. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you have a day off from work. I promise it's coming. What are you gonna do to relax?
1: I love traveling. Um, I love binge watching Netflix. I love taking like random excursions. A few ones that I did this summer were to the sunflower farm, um, checking out new wineries, um, reading books. I love like blasting my music and cooking, um, taking walks with my dog or visiting my family or spending time with friends. I always love a last minute spontaneous adventure too. So it could be like a day trip whether that's exploring something new here in DC or going to visit some of my best friends up in Boston. Mm. What's your dog's name? Bambino. Bambino, tell me more. Yes, Bambino (laughs) is a 12 year old Yorkie. Um, I adopted him when he was about a year old and he is the best. I believe it.
0: Thinking back, reflecting in retrospect, anything or any advice you would have
1: told your younger self? Hmm, I would tell my younger self to speak up. Speak up until others listen. Speak up in a way that um, reminds you that your voice matters. Any advice further for people
0: interested in breaking into the sport for social change, sports philanthropy, sport for good?
1: One of my mom's favorite things is like be like Nike and just do it. But and I think that's something that I always listen to in my head. You can listen to podcasts and you hear these great tips. You can go to conferences, but like the best space is actual physical connection with human being, right? You can get all the subject matter expert. That's what we're supposed to be doing, but put it into practice by connecting with with people, throwing your name in the hat for opportunities, asking for feedback when maybe you may not have got these, maybe you weren't one of the finalists, or maybe you weren't the final candidate selected, whatever it is, like always seek to receive that feedback. And now it's on you to put it into practice. And so um, I always say to people like, you can complain, you can talk about all things that you shoulda, coulda, woulda done, but it doesn't mean nothing unless you actually put it into practice and you hold yourself accountable. Because it's on us to take the responsibility for our life and our vision and our journey. Um, It's not on anybody else. So you're in the driver's seat. That's what it's about. And Chanel,
0: is there one thing you hope listeners remember from our conversation today?
1: Be yourself. And in the most truest, dearest, and authentic way. How can our audience support you or your work moving forward? Um, you can check us out dcunited.com backslash community. That's our community page. If you want to check out about our DC United foundation, it's dcunited.com com backslash uh, foundation. And I'm on LinkedIn. I always post. Uh, so sometimes people just discover me or follow my journey by checking me out on LinkedIn. Chanel Mosley. That's
0: it. It's a good follow. I promise you. That's how I've been like keeping tabs on what you're up to. That's how we connected. Yeah, exactly. So awesome. Uh, My final question that I love to ask every guest because this is about inspiration. Chanel, who or what inspires you?
1: Man, this one is easy. Um, My mom. My mom. My mom. My mom. My mom lost her mom at a very early age due to breast cancer. So every year she's been doing this the Susan G. Komen Breast Cancer Walk, Creating Awareness, Raising Funds. My mom was in the military. She's retired military, works for the government. She's retiring next year. She worked three jobs growing up. My mom worked really hard to create the life that my brother and I have had. And my brother and I went through both undergrad and grad school. And then she completed her bachelor's degree only a couple years ago as an adult. And she stayed committed to it little bit by little. And so while I'm so grateful for her sacrifice, it also inspires me to create a life for myself and for my fam- my future family to come that they don't have to, like the point of us is to break our generational curses and and to even make our ancestors proud. And I look forward to those proud moments where my mom gets to come see me in action. She is the team's number one fan. People <laughs> see my mom on game days helping to pass out mm. giveaways or when mm-hmm. we have our United We Serve um volunteer service program. She's usually at every single one of those. And so it's just really exciting because she's been my brother and I's number one cheerleader. And we're also very much her number one cheerleader, but she's just phenomenal woman. Shout out to Chanel's mom.
0: And Chanel, it's just been a, a pleasure and a joy. Thank you for your time and your your sharing oh, your story, you. your learnings, your advice, all the above. I just uh, know that you're going to continue to do incredible things and just feel privileged to have this time with you and play a little part in sharing your story, getting it out to even more people. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Erica. I appreciate you. And I also appreciate you using your platform for good to shine light on these things. I think as crazy of a schedule we all have like this is so important so thank you truly thank you so much for listening to today's
0: episode of the inspira podcast with erica Mueller chen i really hope you enjoyed the episode and found it useful be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources specifically my link tree is there with tons of awesome information feel inspired to take action today I've got three action steps you can take right now because you know your girl likes calls to action and the number three, so here goes. Number one, follow the podcast on your chosen podcast platform. Number two, share your feedback with me through the listener survey listed on that link tree. And number three, tell just one friend about this podcast so they can give it a listen too. And do I have any overachievers out there? I've got a bonus action step, which is to consider supporting me and making sure this passion project prospers. So number four, follow the link to buy me a coffee. That would be pretty amazing. Until next time, stay inspired.